Welcome back, everybody. This is Dog Central Live, and we are here with John and Graham um, to talk all things Georgia football. Um, spring practice, Georgia's made a couple of big hires. Uh, we're going to get into all the things. We'll get into some listener questions from our Dog Central forum. Um, before we do that, Graham, how's it going, buddy? Sir, it's going well, man. Um, it is uh, like low 40s and rainy every day out here this week so like seeing pictures from spring ball in athens popping up on twitter it's giving me a little hope that we're gonna get to the other side of the cold weather so uh definitely excited to be back into some form of of like football season i guess yeah well we're gonna get to the other side we are um this week here in atlanta we actually had Weather in the 30s, Ooh. so we're not far behind you. Um, You're not. But today was 60s. Today's uh, in the 60s. Man. We are pushing – we're going to be pushing 70s and 80s, not to make you jealous, but we're just going to go there right at the beginning. So, yeah. um, Awesome. Well, Graham, you know, so George has been uh, – have has a week under our belt mm-hmm. in spring ball. Um, what, are, what are initial – obviously, we have a lot of questions. We'll dive into specific positions. We'll dive into coaching hires, things. What are, but what are some key, you know, kind of initial thoughts based on what you've seen, heard, um, as it relates to, to spring training, spring ball? I mean, I think everybody wants to know about the quarterbacks, and I think the reality is that there's, there's, there's not much to know about the quarterbacks yet, right? Like – Georgia. I mean, Kirby. Kirby's not going to get up and just like tell us everything about the quarterbacks and who's going to start and right. how they're progressing each individually. I mean, I think the maybe the most informative <laughs> thing that he said was his his opening presser of spring when he said, "Don't you know, like don't count out Gunnar Stockton." Just kind of slid that in there at the end. But um, I think that's also created like there's uh, just full transparency, right? Like, I mean, I've posted things over going back to last fall of like, Hey, this, this Gunner Stockton kid is pretty impressive and people like him and the mm-hmm. coaches like him. And, you know, I think just from a personality standpoint, from how he carries himself, uh, you know, you, you had talked about his preparation at one mm-hmm. point on one of our shows. Like yeah. I think he checks a lot of boxes in terms of what you want out of your quarterback. Um, he's also a red shirt freshman. And the other reality is just, like if Georgia goes and hands Gunner Stockton 60% or 70% of the first team reps tomorrow, then they're in danger of going into the season with one scholarship quarterback. And I'm not saying he deserves that at all either. I want to be clear. Like, you know, uh, yeah, I, I like Carson Beck is a little bit above everybody else, but um, point being like G day might be informative on some level because we'll at least see these guys throwing against something resembling live action. Um, but other than that, I, I, I mean, like I, I ask about quarterbacks every time I talk to sources and it's like, they've all had some good throws. They've all had some bad throws, you know? And it's like, that's probably what we're going to hear every day from now until uh, Georgia kicks off their season next Labor Day. So I, I think everybody yeah. just needs to kind of, slow the roll maybe on the quarterback battle or maybe wait until like, I think fall practice is when we're really going to find out what's, what's going on there. 
Yeah. And that's really, I mean, that's how it should be, right? I mean, at the end of the day, spring ball is not, uh, I think there's this misconception that spring ball is for uh, evaluating starting positions. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is absolutely what fall spring ball will give you indicators of where players have progressed. It's uh, an opportunity for players to, Obviously, uh, the new guys to get in the mix that haven't had some reps, it's it's an opportunity to figure out which position players are working, you know, better in certain groups and those types of things. But you generally don't come out of spring practice. You come out of spring practice with indicators of maybe who might start. Um, but that's absolutely uh, fall camp is is when it really gets down to, uh, all right, who 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 are the actual uh you know, 11 or, or 22 on offense and defense that we're rolling out there. So, um, so I'm excited, uh, to, to see what we can learn though. I think there's a lot, um, that I'm interested to see, especially over the next couple of weeks and leading up to G day, um, to see what these guys can do. I mean, we got Georgia has a lot of talent on this roster that we haven't, it's hard to say, it's hard, it's hard yeah. to say it's like Georgia has a lot of talent that we haven't seen, but Every, it, we're in that cycle at Georgia. If you're a Georgia fan, you're absolutely in that cycle of uh, there's a lot of talent that you haven't seen every year. And um, that's that's exciting this time of year, especially. So It is. And, I mean, I think this is a good time of year to remember, like, guys like Jermaine Johnson who, you know, left Georgia because they couldn't get more than 150 snaps a season. And all of a sudden they're the best defensive player at – Florida State, they're the best defensive player in the ACC, and they're a, a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. So, yeah, I, I think there is a ton to look forward to this time of year and, and agree with you. Like, this is more a time of year to evaluate who is going to be involved in those position battles in, as opposed to letting those Correct. position battles play out. Yeah, this is yeah, this is an opportunity to understand who's going to be in contention for the ones and twos, uh, it's a spring ball is not where the ones and twos are necessarily decided um, in most positions. So I think fans just need, and me, I'm speaking to myself uh, as well as a fan. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think we just need to set some right expectations around like, Hey, you know, who knows? Uh, especially uh, with the, with the May transfer portal. And I mean, there's all kinds of things. we got a long way to go before we're going to know who that, that actual starting 11 is going to be for Georgia. Not that long, right? Like Cedric Van Pran, is going to start at center. Um, I think there's a lot of there are a lot of things that are very very clear, but uh, specifically around quarterback position, wide receiver positions, um, secondary. Like there's some key positions that I think it's going to take a little bit to to know who's who. Um, all right, you want to talk? You want to talk coaching? Georgia Georgia hired two yeah. um, two guys on brought two guys on as analysts. Uh, who are a couple of heavy hitters uh, in their own right. Um, Brandon Streeter, former offensive coordinator uh, from Clemson. Um, and uh, oh, I just blanked on Texas A&M. Daryl Dickey. Daryl Dickey. I was going to say Derek Dickey, but Daryl Dickey, uh, uh, former uh, – I guess we can call him the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. Uh, <laughs> it's te- He's coached football style. for longer than I've been alive. <laughs> Um, he was head coach at north texas for a a long spell i mean what i think is maybe more interesting than his time at texas a&m as oc is uh who he recruited at texas a&m and that he was you know he was the offensive coordinator and running backs coach at memphis Mm -hmm. through 
some of their best seasons ever. Um, and you know, like the the list of strong Memphis running backs from his time there is pretty deep. Yeah, you know who else was on staff uh, with him at Memphis? Dan Lanning. That is true. Um, was they overlapped at Memphis as well? So, um, Kirby working that pipeline. So tell me, tell us a little bit about, uh, maybe we'll break it down. So you mentioned a little bit about Daryl Dickey's background. We can maybe start with him. What are you excited about? What's he bringing to Georgia? Um, and, uh, and then we'll talk about Brandon Streeter too. Yeah. So, I mean, first thing with these two hires is I think, uh, Georgia's got so many guys on their staff right now who, either played together or have worked together previously that I I think it's a good move to combat kind of a, an echo chamber or uh, any like lack of challenging ideas in a room. Uh, So that's first and foremost, I think important to bring in some, some outside opinions and some outside blood with Dickie. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, you know, played, played quarterback at Kansas state played quarterback in the NFL. And then has, you know, I mean, he was tight ends coach at LSU in 1991. Like, like the guy has been around the block for a long time and he's, yeah, he's called a lot of football plays. I mean, if you were in the sec, if if you were at Mississippi state and LSU in 90 and 91, I mean, you were at a different time in the sec. Um, Yes. uh, What a, what a journey. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And, and I mean, I, I think you've, you've got that. Um, I mean, he has some interesting ties, like he's from Chapel Hill, mm-hmm. North Carolina. Um, and you know, like he, he went to college out in Kansas, but he's coached all over the Southwest and the Southeast. And from a recruiting standpoint has relationships kind of everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at his, the list of guys that he was the primary recruiter on just in the past few years for Texas A&M. The first one that stands out to me is uh, Connor Wegman, you know, number two quarterback in the country a couple cycles ago Mm -hmm. Uh, started and did really well as a five-star for A&M last year as a freshman, like Jalen Weidermeyer, who was an excellent running back or a tight end for them. Uh, He he recruited Devin a chain who, I thought was one of the best running backs in the country last year. Like he has got that thing. Uh, Zach Calzada and um, oh my god, who was the other quarterback? Haynes King. Like mm-hmm. so, he, he's been a huge part of recruiting quarterbacks there, which is interesting when you kind of consider like Jimbo is seen as sort of the quarterback guy, but uh, mm-hmm. he was he was lead recruiter on almost all of those guys. So. I think there's the recruiting side of things first and foremost. And then you add in that he was his first job as a play caller was at Memphis in 1988 Uh, called plays at UTEP from 94 to 96 called plays at SMU in 97. Uh, Then he's head coach at North Texas for eight years. And then he's calling plays at Utah state for two years. He's Mm -hmm. calling plays at New Mexico for two years. He's co-OC at Texas State. Colin Memphis for shoot five, six years. Like the guy has drawn up a yeah. lot of game plans. And and I mean, I, yeah. I look back, you know, a, a lot of the focus and conversation is going to be how does Georgia replace Todd Mock in this offseason? 
and I think when you talk about that, like you're you're looking at the Monken philosophy was, you know, he he said he sees an offensive staff like a rock band and everybody's kind of contributing mm-hmm. their own notes. And I think you're bringing in a guy that is going to have a lot of, of good contributions to the song, so yeah. to speak. So, yeah. And I, and I'll also bet he ran a lot of plays out of the I formation back in the day. So Mike Bobo has it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> this is all conspiracy to get Georgia back to the I formation. Look, um, man, Georgia should come out on, on G day first series and just run like total full house backfield. I want three backs in the backfield. <laughs> You know the entire the entire first drive just, just as an epic troll. Look, Mike Bobo has yeah. a sense of humor. Okay, I tweeted I tweeted during the 2021 Georgia Auburn game that you know Monken ran a goal line uh, play with a Kendall Milton in his fullback for a touchdown, and I said like that's some high level psychological warfare against a Mike Bobo team. Two months later, Mike Bobo liked that tweet like after the season. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever because he's got clearly a sense of humor about himself. (laughs) So good. I just want, I just want, all I want is at some point next year, somebody in a Quavon Hicks face mask with a hand in the dirt in the Georgia backfield um, would make me, would make me very happy. Just give me the crisscross Quavon uh, face mask in this role. Awesome. So, uh, so that's great. So Brandon Streeter. So what I love, what I love is what Kirby, what Kirby has put together, what, what he's putting together here, um, especially in this offensive group is there is such a good mix of perspectives, right? So you have Daryl Dickey, you have Mike Bobo, you have the guys, you know, Brian McClendon, who's already on staff, Todd Hartley, who's been, who's been on staff for a few years. Um, You've got Dale McGee. um, And now you also add Brandon Streeter, who, long run at Clemson um you know very long 18 years or something yeah 18 uh, eight well he's been coaching 15 years as a player for 18 years but 15 yeah yeah between a between a player and a coach that's what I was trying to get to is 15 years at Clemson between a player and a coach but um Dabo got caught in a situation where uh DJU uh wasn't performing the offense wasn't clicking um and so Dabo had to make a move and I think uh, I think Georgia is going to reap the benefits of a guy like Brandon Streeter. So what you mentioned, you know, I think with Brandon Streeter, uh, with Daryl Dickey, it's the same thing with Brandon Streeter, except, I mean, you talk about recruiting. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, <laughs> this guy, primary recruiter on Trevor Lawrence, primary recruiter on Cabe Klubnik, yeah. uh, DJU, uh, guys, you know, guys like uh, – like, um, uh, secondary recruiter on, on guys like Miles Murphy. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. been in – these guys at Clemson, he has brought in some dudes. Um, and recruited so Georgia, Georgia, you know, a lot as well. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with that. I think he knows this state from recruiting at Clemson, um, knows this this state uh, as well as uh, as folks on Georgia's staff, and that's really exciting. I also think when you look at you know some of the concepts that Clemson ran were actually really good. Um, so, Graham, you want to talk a little bit about Brandon Streeter? Yeah, I mean, there's – DJ, you last year was a better quarterback than he was the year before, in my 
opinion. And I mean, like, there's times like go and watch the Clemson Wake Forest game where, you know, the, he's making some pretty impressive downfield throws. And I think the question on Streeter, like he was quarterbacks coach at Clemson, right? For a very long time, uh, going back to 2015. So he was Trevor's quarterbacks coach. He, he was there with Deshaun for a little while, didn't recruit Deshaun, but, but was his quarterbacks coach. Um, there's a fair question of how much of that is Tony Elliott, how much of that is Streeter, because Elliott was the OC there at the time. But uh, I would say that I thought, you know, Cle- Clemson didn't do enough this year to for Streeter to keep his job, obviously, but their offense looked way better this season than it did before Tony Elliott left to take the Virginia head coaching job. And so I, like I thought Streeter really did get maybe not the most out of their talent, but I thought he got quite a decent amount out of their talent. And I I look at Streeter as kind of similar to when uh, Kirby smart hired Todd Monken, James Coley was on staff. He was offensive coordinator the year before and he got that offensive coordinator job the season before because he was such a good recruiter and had been a very good quarterbacks coach. And Georgia wanted to promote him and keep him around because he was helping Georgia acquire talent. The play calling thing didn't really go great for him, but Coley, you know, he goes out to Texas A&M and he's immediately beating Georgia for some recruits that they wanted, truthfully, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think with Streeter – it's it's kind of a perfect time for him to to switch gears like his trajectory at Clemson is clearly kind of ceiling you know it's hit its ceiling but he's gonna help Georgia a lot um there's a question in here about you know in in the chat about would the addition of these new guys help with Dylan Rayola I don't know that either Mm -hmm. of them have a relationship with Rayola already but putting a guy in the room with everyone else that's already in there and saying, Hey, uh, you know, I coached Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson (laughs) is pretty powerful. It's, it's certainly not going to hurt. I can promise you that. So I I think he's a good, I I think he's a hell of a recruiter and I'm very interested to see what influence he adds to Georgia's offense, because I, I do think he, kind of helped transition Clemson last year from some stale stuff to more like more of the pro style kind of spread that, that you saw Georgia run under Todd Monken. He just didn't have as good a personnel as Todd Monken had. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, awesome. Well, let's jump into, we asked for some questions. If you guys are watching on YouTube, definitely, uh, uh, feel free to throw in uh, any questions that you have. We asked our Dog Central subscribers uh, to submit some questions as well. So we're going to go through a few of those. Most of these are about Georgia spring practice, position battles. Um, uh, and so we'll dive right in. Um, the first one, Graham, is uh, is about um, wide receivers. So why don't we start there? Mm. Um, this one comes from Hunter on the Dog Center Forum. So could you discuss the battle between Marcus Rosemary Jackson and Ra Ra Thomas? Also, is CJ Smith making a move this spring? I think it's a little early to tell who's making moves and who's not. So we'll kind of punt that one. But let's talk about um, Marcus Rosemary Jackson and Ra Ra Thomas. Yeah, I how mean, do you, how do you see that? How do you see that playing out? Uh, I think one thing that's interesting is 
Roseby, I think maybe this spring is the closest he's looked to to where he was before that leg break. Um, mm-hmm. That type of injury requires you to stop conditioning at all for a very mm-hmm. long time. And it just like yeah. when you're talking about these level of athletes, uh, it may be, you know, a, a five or 10 percent difference. But that makes a huge difference on an SEC football field. And it's kind of it kind of reminds me of Nick Chubb when, you know, the end of 2017, we finally started seeing him like break away from defenders again. You know, it, it took a couple years off that ACL for him to really start looking like his old self. Um, so I, I think that's what's happening with Rosemi. And I, I mean, he's Mr. Reliable from a blocking standpoint, which we know is very important mm-hmm. to what Georgia does. And then he has very great hands. He has the biggest hands of any receiver on the team and he knows what to do. And he's, I would say superb against zone coverages at knowing where to sit down and find space. And, you know, third and long crossing routes to Rosemey was something Georgia lived off of last year. And it was something Stetson Bennett was really comfortable with and trusted him on. So point being and saying all that is like, Someone's going to have to do a lot to just move him out of the way. And Rara Thomas is very talented. Uh, I think, you know, I, I think on uh, Saturday, I believe it was like he, you know, made an impressive contested catch in practice. And, you know, you see that. But what's interesting is just for him and Dominic Lovett both coming from Missouri and coming from Mississippi State, there's a learning curve to how Georgia practices from an intensity standpoint, Mm -hmm. from a physicality standpoint, uh, you got to be on all the time. And I think they're, you know, they're learning the offense and they're, they're learning kind of the Georgia way, so to speak. And and that's going to take a little bit of time for them. I don't know that, you know, it really matters whose name starter, so to speak, when we get to September, Mm -hmm. because, George is going to rotate receivers and I would expect both those guys to play a lot. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Georgia doesn't really have, especially with AD Mitchell gone, you know, Rosemi and Thomas are really the two guys that we've seen play X receiver and we've seen do it well. There's some freshmen that that might be where they fit in eventually, but we don't know. So uh, I, I think it's, I think they'll make each other better. I think Rara brings more, maybe explosive big playability and, you know, I would say sideline contested catchability. I think mm-hmm. Rosemey uh, probably is the best perimeter blocker on the team. And we know that he's very comfortable going over the middle. So situationally they may be used just like that. Awesome. Um, good stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, um, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see a truly healthy Marcus Rosemey Jackson um, uh, and what he can do uh, on top of all you mentioned, but I think the key point for me is like this guy was out there, you know, uh, in his first full season, you know, really his first full season last year that was reasonably healthy um, mm-hmm. and making a lot of, and, and ended up starting making a lot of good plays. So should be a good battle. Um, all right. Let's talk a little bit about running backs. Um, this is a really long question. So I'm going to sum it up. <laughs> A little bit. Um, uh, who's going to take on the role that has been played by Kenny McIntosh and James Cook in the previous two seasons? So we've had – Georgia has had, and I would say 
DeAndre Swift was a little bit like this, but Georgia's always had the kind of this one two punch, right? Zamir White, James Cook, um, uh, Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton kind of situation. Um, who's going to take on that role of receiving weapon out of the backfield? Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about Andrew Paul's progress coming back from injury. Yeah. Uh, but let's, let's talk about this. This question is from Nick's on our dog central form. It was also asked uh, by dog to tiger too. So we're going to throw them both in there. Well, you want to start on this one? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, for, so for me, you know, I think like, yeah. So for me, I think um, this is such an interesting question, right? Because Georgia I think there's a couple things to keep in mind. Like I, I think this could be a potential area where we see a little bit, maybe even a lot, maybe even a good bit of deviation mm. from under Mike Bobo from what we saw under Todd Munkin. Um, and what I mean by that is Georgia has three backs that are that can be punishing runners so you have Kendall Milton you have Dejan Edwards you have Branson Robinson um, those three guys can all play that role of kind of that shifty back but also that's a mere white role of punishing right you you look in those three and you really don't see anybody that stands out that says oh that that one is built in the mold of a Kenny McIntosh mm-hmm. or that one's built in a mold of a James Cook right um, what I would say is don't don't sleep on Branson Robinson catching the ball out of the backfield, first of all. Um, if you go back and watch some of his highlights when he was being recruited, when he was a senior at some of the camps that he went to, one of his key strengths was absolutely catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, so I think that's a guy to watch that could play. You know, I think people look at him and see his size and his bulk. Um, I think he could, he could catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield. I, my best guess would be Dejan Edwards is going to play this kind of role if he can get his – uh, receiving skills and his route running down, he's the guy that would play this role in this offense in 2023 um, is my initial thought. Um, but you don't really have that prototype of a Macintosh and Cook. Um, and I think that's going to be interesting to see how Mike Bobo evolves with these skill positions, right? Because you do have, I think, my personal opinion, I do think you have um, – more athleticism on the perimeter with guys like Dominic Lovett, Lab McConkey, Marcus Rosemey Jackson, Ra Ra Thomas. Like, I think you're going to see a lot of what Kenny McIntosh and James Cook doing going to those kind of guys. Yeah. Um, and seeing a more traditional kind of, uh, kind of running game. What are your thoughts? Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I agree with you. Um, I think, well, the first thing I would say is it's going to be really hard to replace. Kenny Mack, uh, let's, let's go back a for a second. player, man. Right, 100%. And that's that's really what I kind of wanted to say is that there's three guys in the SEC since the year 2000 to have 500-plus receiving yards, 800-plus uh, rushing yards, and 10-plus touchdowns in a season. And they are Dexter McCluster, Percy Harvin, and Kenny McIntosh. So you're, you're talking about just a, a really rare – amount of versatility mm-hmm. that that Macintosh had. So the other side of this too is you do have all a lot more weapons on the perimeter. And mm-hmm. I think your your answer earlier about you know Edwards is the one that that would be most likely to fill that role. I I, I think that's clear clearly the answer. Um, yeah. 
you know, I guess one sort of interesting kind of maybe piece of foreshadowing for, for this season is you, you look back in the 2021 national title game, we saw Kenny McIntosh lined up in the slot at receiver, making some catches, influencing the defense in that way. Uh, go to the 2022 national championship game, Georgia TCU. We saw Dejan line up in the slot. We saw him actually line up out wide at one point in that game. Um, you know, on the season, he he had 11 snaps lined up as a, a boundary receiver and 16 snaps lined up in the slots, which is more than anyone else in the running back room had other than Kenny McIntosh. So I think that's the natural progression. But again, he's not Kenny McIntosh. And Kenny McIntosh was so good at just basically running this little flare route out to the side and it being a, a dump off or an outlet or, you know, Stetson, if, if he saw that a linebacker didn't linebacker didn't follow McIntosh, he would just flip it to him. And I, I think this is kind of maybe a good spot to be like, there's going to be people that early in the season are mad at Mike Bobo. And they're going to say that Mike Bobo changed the offense. The reality is that, you don't have a Darnell Washington anymore and you don't have a Kenny McIntosh yeah. and Georgia other than Utah ran the most uh, 12 and 13 personnel sets in college football last year. And you had a running back who was your leading receiver on the team for most of the season. Uh, so it's just, it's going to look different. I still think Georgia will be a very good perimeter blocking team, but Darnell Washington was a left tackle who also could catch passes 20 and 30 yards downfield. Oscar Delp is more of an athletic route runner, pass catcher. Uh, you know, he, he has not shown the ability as a run blocker yet that we knew Bowers and uh, Washington had. So I just think it's going to look different, but just because it looks different doesn't mean that the playbook's different. It doesn't mean that George is trying to, do different things philosophically in terms of how they, you know, go after football teams and attack defenses. You just are going to have to basically play to the strengths of your personnel. Awesome. Um, we have a, a, I think you're right. And I think, I think that's definitely what we'll have to do. We have a question uh, that I want to make sure that we get to. Maybe this is a suggestion um, from Saturday down South, AKA, uh, Chris Marler, please talk more about the 2022 national championship and less about the 2021 <laughs> game, please and thank you. Uh, Graham, in case anyone's forgot, 2021. Um, what happened there? Kirby Smart beat Nick Saban for the first time in his career. What? And likely the last time because I'm not sure Alabama is going to make it to the SEC championship oh. or the playoffs again under Nick Saban. Wow. Anymore. So um, we'll talk about that. But thank you. Thank you so much for the suggestion. Sadly, we're going to keep continue talking about 2022 and 2023. So, um, oh. good stuff. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's see what else we got in here. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, welcome. We see we welcome everybody into this show. Come on down. We're a lot of a lot of people that we shouldn't let in here, but we just but we just do. Um, awesome. Let's see. Do you think any of this is a good question? Do you think any of the freshman edges will see any significant playing time this year? Um, That's a great question, man. And boy, do we have some freshmen. Edges. <laughs> yeah, it seems like all three of those guys are hits. Uh, just early reviews. I mean, yeah, like 
And the one that, you know, I mean, then Pimba and Damon Wilson were both like five-star kind of, you know, they're Florida kids, a bunch of attention and all that. Mm -hmm. And Gabe Harris may end up being like the most productive of, of either of, of any three from a, just like a, a pure snap count standpoint, because I think he's kind of more in the mold of your traditional, like Georgia four I defensive end who can set the edge and rush the passer well, but also is a, a monster against the run. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man, I, I keep hearing like in Pimba has been very impressive in the weight room. Uh, but Damon Wilson is just a little bit, a little bit different, I think. Um, so that would be my bet is that we, you know, we might see him come coming off the edge and third down situations, a pass rusher, but it's, it's interesting because Georgia just really struggled when Nolan Smith went out to kind of figure out how to fill that spot. And now it feels like there's yeah. eight different dudes with blue chip pedigree to maybe fill in on that this year. What? Yeah, well, one of the things we know, I, th- I mean, I think there's two things that we know um, from last year. Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Glenn Schumann, all those guys, Trey Scott, Deribe, uh, no one is afraid to play true freshman on the defensive side of the ball. If you can come in and get after it, you're going to play. Uh, and secondly, uh, we have learned that they will put Chaz Chambliss in there. <laughs> and, they will. and so – and so these guys, uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you better bring it because they are not afraid to put uh, to put Chaz Chambliss in there to take up space if they don't feel like they have a better option. Mm-hmm. And so um, you did go from not feeling not feeling like you have a better option to, boy, you're going to have some options. So um, really, really excited to see that 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 position group for sure. Yeah, and I, I also, I mean, I think it's a probably a bigger storyline than. Uh, most have made out of it that you have uh Jalen Walker and Marvin Jones Jr. out for the spring. I mean like, both those guys are really talented. I, I mean mm-hmm. I, I think Jalen Walker just going back and watching his performance in both college football playoff games, like yeah. he could be uh I mean I think Dallas Turner from Alabama is a really good comp for him. Like he can come screaming off that edge a lot. Uh so it's a very good opportunity for these young guys to come in and assert themselves and take reps that probably wouldn't have been there otherwise. Yeah. It's going to be good to see. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's take a, another question from, from the forum. So uh, this is from our friend Woodstock. Uh, thanks for the question. Who seems to be in the lead for the second string in the linebackers room? So I think, so we'll narrow this down maybe, um, I think we're assuming inside linebackers because I think we're assuming yeah. that JDJ and Spalmondon are going to take um, take the starting roles for those for that Mac and Sam uh, kind of role. Who do you see? Uh, I'm sorry for that money and Mac kind of role, but who do you see? Uh, who do you see coming up behind them, Graham? Man, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, like Tresman Marshall tr- transfer, but you still have. Uh, Ryan Davis, Ryan Davis in that room. So like, I I think that's the the obvious answer based on experience. He played the third most snaps of any inside backer on the team last year, but dude, like 
the talent of those young guys again is real. Uh, you know, Troy Bowles has not enrolled yet, but CJ Allen and Raylan Wilson are both on campus and both of them are just freaky big and fast. I keep hearing about CJ Allen a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I've, mm -hmm. I've had people tell me CJ Allen is just as talented as, as Dumas Johnson right yep. now. That doesn't mean he knows the defense like Dumas, Dumas right. Johnson. Doesn't mean he has the instincts that Dumas Johnson does. Doesn't mean he's the leader that JDJ is. But that dude is going to play a lot of big snaps for Georgia in his career. And so I'm going to make him – I would say him and Davis right now would be yeah. the, you know, the two in line behind Mondin and Dumas Johnson. Yeah, I agree. And, man, what – um. Gosh, we talked about the talented edge, that talented linebacker. Holy smokes! Um, again, yeah, it's such a hard position to play as a um, as a true freshman because of you. You've got to quarterback the defense. You got to know so much. Uh, but man, that talent is there. I agree with you. I think CJ Allen uh, is the guy with Ryan Davis there. Um, all right, another question from uh, from the chat here. Um, do you think we will continue with 12 personnel with Bowers and Delp? Um, go for it. Not in the same way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just – I don't think you can. I mean, I think you can put two tight ends in the field in some of these, like, bunch sets. Yeah. Like, you know, Monken used to run those tight bunches where, uh, you know, the tight ends would be up at the line and then you'd have a receiver behind them. Or vice versa. Like yep. I'm sure I'm sure we will see two tight end sets, but until Oscar Delp can show that he, you know, can can run block like that. Yeah. He, yeah. It's different. Yeah. And I think people have to recognize, right? Like the, the 12 personnel um was not 12 personnel where you had two guys running routes down the field. Right, twelve personnel was you had Darnell Washington as extra lineman, or you had him on a mismatch. Right, like that was like that was the twelve personnel. And so, um, I think for me personally, I think the reason that we won't see it as much is because uh, Oscar Delp and Brock Bowers are very similar style football players. Um, the same thing with Pierce Sperlin, some of those other guys. You have guys who are very similar at that position right now. And when you have yeah. guys that are very similar in that spot, um, it does make it really difficult to – you just – you have a mismatch with one of them already, and then you've got these talented wide receivers. Like, I think it's I think it's going to be a little bit different this year for that reason, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I would say – you know, one of the kind of most surprising pieces of intel that I've heard so far this spring mm -hmm. has been around freshman tight end Lawson Lucky and just that, like, that dude looks the part athletically. And so, you know, that he could emerge and be more of that type of tight end that, that's a little better in the trenches. Let's, let's talk about this real quickly. How many people were – I'll, I won't say how many. It's hypothetical, but not a rhetorical. A lot of people were saying Lawson Lucky is going to go to Alabama because the tight end room at Georgia is too crowded. Mm -hmm. A lot of people said he's not going to come in with Pierce Sperlin when you already have Oscar Delp and Brock Bowers there. Right? Like there was, 
there was all of these conversations and all I've heard since the, the cleats have hit the grass in spring practice is this dude is a dude. Um, and I am really interested to see what happens with Lawson Lucky because there was a lot of people who questioned who who had him as like the fourth guy on this like tight end uh, depth chart. And man, I I don't know that that's going to be the case by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, well, and I mean, there was people that were like, George is going to sign Deuce Robinson and Sperlin and maybe Walker Lyons, and yeah. they're going to push <laughs> Lucky out. Yeah, and then. You know, I mean, I guess there's still a chance Georgia signs Deuce Robinson, but that's looking less and less likely yeah. than it did before. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the caveat to the 12 personnel question, right? Is mm-hmm. I think Oscar Delt is, uh, you know, he's more of that stand-up Y kind of <laughs> tight end that lines up in the slot and his size is a mismatch and his athleticism is too much for most of your, your inside linebackers that you face. But, uh, and that's why I I think it's a good, honestly, this conversation is a good reminder of why Brock Bowers is so incredible because he is that dude as a route runner and a pass catcher. And, you know, he's just this explosive athlete who can high point the football, but that guy also like cleans it up in in the trenches i mean he's not darnell washington as a blocker but nobody is i mean a lot of offensive linemen aren't darnell washington as a blocker but that's the incredible part about him is he's gives you all that stuff downfield but like he's Mm -hmm. not a liability as a blocker and that's why he's on the field all the time yeah agree um let's take a let's take a break from talking about players and positions to talk about this question could they not do a better job with the non-con games? It's plain <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Red clay That's between those has said what we're all thinking. Uh, let's talk about why this non-conference uh, schedule is so bad. Well, I think there's I – mean, well, Oklahoma, I'll, yeah, right? We'll, yeah, we'll start. Yeah, so Georgia was supposed to play Oklahoma this year. Uh, Georgia was supposed to play Oklahoma, and not only was Georgia supposed to play Oklahoma, but Georgia was going to play Oklahoma in – second week or the third week like it was going to be essentially what alabama is doing with texas um where you have in like the first like three games um that's what georgia was supposed to have with oklahoma this year um unfortunately uh the sec said hey y'all gotta call that off um (laughs) because of conference realignment and expansion um we have texas and oklahoma now joining uh, early in, I guess, early in 2024. Um, so that's what was supposed to happen. So when you look and you see UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, um, Ball State was supposed to be Oklahoma. So if you think about that schedule, if you think about UT Martin, Oklahoma, South Carolina, then UAB, then Auburn, it changes that whole dynamic. Um you know, I, I think the, the challenge is, right, like, and this is what people I, – I think for me what's important to call out. Georgia could have found another non-conference component uh, opponent besides Ball State. But mm-hmm. you tell me who's going to come in. Georgia's 29-1 and one, uh, in the last two years. Back-to-back national championships. Who's going to raise their hand and say, We're, I'll go play in Athens, Georgia in week two. <laughs> In a non-conference game, uh, which Power Five team is going to sign up? Is going to sign up for that? Um, 
that's that's the real issue, right? The real issue is that right. you couldn't replace Oklahoma with an actual Power Five non-conference game at that moment because schedules are made years in advance. Number one, but number two, Ball State will come get a paycheck. Um, no, none of these other Power Five teams are going to come into Athens, Georgia, to get to get it handed to them in the second week of the season. Um, especially when those paychecks uh, hit very differently when you're in a power five conference versus when you're ball state. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, uh, I don't know. It's fascinating because everyone has strong opinions on this. Like I've talked to some people that are Georgia season ticket holders Mm -hmm. and they do not like playing Oregon in Atlanta. You know, they did not like playing Clemson in Charlotte because it took a home game away from Athens The flip side of that is, yeah, find me, find me a P five team that is Mm going to, you know, raise interest and create a high profile game. That's willing to come play in your backyard Mm -hmm. on a year's notice. So you you have that problem. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think that, yeah, you lose in Oklahoma. It it hurts that home Mm -hmm. schedule quite a bit, but I don't know, UAB, I know that Georgia spanked them in 2021, but like as far as non-con games go, that's that's not a bad one. Um oh, it's I mean, not they, no, it's not bad. There's there's been many years in the last decade where they are the second yeah. best football program in the state of Alabama. Okay. Yeah. Um yeah. you know. So I don't yeah. know. It's it's not great, but the other side of it is you know, starting November with Missouri and Ole Miss at home back to back is not bad. Kentucky's usually a good home game for Georgia. Um, nope. And Georgia fans do get the road trip to Nashville this year, uh, which is usually the most popular away game Listen, to go to Vanderbilt. Nothing, nothing like stumbling out of a bar on Broadway to, uh. to walk over, to walk, to, to dr- a quick drive over to a noon kickoff uh, because yep. that's, that's what, <laughs> that's what you have to do in Nashville. There's no tailgating. You just go down to the honky tonks about uh, eight o'clock, get started, and then stumble on over to that noon kick. Um, That's exactly right. But, uh, yeah. All right. Eleven a.m. Uh, local time. Eleven a.m. local time. Don't forget. All right. A uh, couple other questions. We'll 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 take uh, one more from the Dog Central Forum. Um, uh, this is a really interesting question. Got got a lot of formerly highly ranked recruits who played sparingly last year. Are there any guys that you kind of expect to step into a bigger role this season, not necessarily starting? Um, this is June recruiting fearmonger from the Dog Central Forum, my which favorite, is my favorite. favorite. Yeah, my yeah, favorite man. username. All right, uh, who 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 were highly ranked that didn't play a lot last year that we expect to uh, step into a bigger role? I'll start. Uh, yeah, go, go for Ernest it. Ernest Green. I think Ernest Green is gonna is gonna be a starting tackle. Sorry, I, st- I took it from you. That's why I said it. No, start. no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> but I think it's Ernest good. Green. Uh, Ernest Green has, uh, you know, again, you got to see it on the field. We haven't seen Ernest Green play a snap in a Georgia uniform in a real game, but um, mm-hmm. so you got to see it on the field. But but there has been a lot of talk about that guy's talent. At least is up there with uh, with Broderick Jones, maybe even you know uh, uh, pushing into like Andrew Thomas and those kind of guys. So. Excited to see, uh, excited to see Ernest Green. Um, on the other side, I'll say Marius Mims. And Marius Mims only played 400 snaps last year. I feel like we, you know, we feel like we saw him a lot, but he didn't play that much. Um, 
And that's a guy who hit the portal, came out of the portal back to Georgia. So those are two uh, highly ranked recruits that, um, uh, that I think will get, get a lot of playing time in the offensive line. Yeah, I would say, um, I would go with Dalen Everett is a good, good candidate to be DB two. He was the first defensive back off the bench last year for UGA. Uh, I would also say bear Alexander is another one. Like I know we saw him flash Mm -hmm. at times, but uh, I think, you know, you're going to see him take on something more akin to starter snaps in 2023. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, last one I'll throw out. It's kind of a, a good name to watch is uh, Ja'Cory Thomas in that safety mm. battle. He was kind of – I mean, I don't know. It's weird to say a guy who was a four-star and the 311th prospect in the nation was like a little overlooked as a recruit for Georgia, but he was in that 2022 class compared to some of the, the big five-star names they signed in the defensive backfield. And he came in and seemed to grasp things a little bit quicker – than most. And, and I think that, you know, he's going to have a productive career for some point at first at Georgia. And I, I just think like maybe he slides into that safety role. I wouldn't be shocked yeah. to see that. Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to have, I think, you know, safety, I think it's, it's that, I think you have, you you're pretty solid, obviously with Malachi Starks. Uh, but then I think you, you know, then I think you got, you have guys like David Daniel, uh, Sisavon, you've got Ja'Cory Thomas, uh, you've got, uh, I mean, Dan Jackson was hurt last year. He's, he's coming back and will be, uh, will be in that mix, uh, for sure. Um, you also have, you know, uh, somebody asked in the chat about, uh, Jonel Guerrero. Um, I mm-hmm. think that's the guy that's, that's going to be incredibly talented that, um, that could be pushing, uh, for playing time, at least, you know, at least he's definitely, in my opinion, he's going to see the field quite a bit. I don't know that he'll, I don't know. We'll see how many of those snaps are meaningful in terms of it's not a blowout or, you know, those types of things, but I think that guy's going to play. Um, and, uh, and the other one that um, the other one that have Jeep will whiskey mentioned in the chat was Chris, <laughs> was Kristen Miller. I love these names. You guys are, this is the you guys are great. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I have glass will whiskey, so that's all I need. Uh, but I would like to have a Jeep. Um, Chris, Kristen Miller is one. I think Kristen Miller is one to keep an eye on. I think, you know, he's, yeah. he's obviously going to be behind some really um, experienced guys uh, in the middle of that defensive line. So you got, you know, Stackhouse, you got Zion Logue, you got guys like that. Um, but Kristen Miller, I think, could have some playing time. Um, so, John. Yeah. I've got a fun fun game here for you that oh, just came to my we, attention. Here we go. Um, so, FanDuel today released uh, their, their look-ahead game lines for the 2023 season. Okay. Um, one thing that immediately stands out is Florida is an eight-point underdog to Utah who might not have their starting quarterback on the opening weekend in Salt Lake City. Um, yeah. Florida, I mean, is more than a, Florida is more than a touchdown dog to Utah yes. with no yeah. cam rising Correct. in week one. Wow. In week one. Yeah, I think wow. Billy Napier is in trouble, buddy. Um, I think he's definitely in trouble. They are also a – 
very large underdog to Georgia, 20 and a half points um, on the look ahead line, which I mean, honestly, we, man, I would we, bet it right now. I would, I, I'd hit it. Give March 21st, Georgia is a 20 and a half point favorite versus Florida. Um, that might be one of the better lines that you get by the time it gets to, by the time they get well, to October. Georgia won that game by three touchdowns last year, despite being minus three in turnover margin. Uh, and so, and losing the entire third quarter. Yeah, and just yeah. kind of not showing up after halftime. Um, yeah. yeah. Georgia is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite right now in Knoxville against Tennessee on November 11th. So it's mm. a little – you know, it's more than a touchdown. Um, yeah, which I got to is... see – I got to see Joe Milton throw the ball uh, in, in fall camp and <laughs> – Couple games like within the I... boundaries of the field. You mean? <laughs> yes, like like yes. Can like not the Michael can he, Vick commercial can he keep where it's it, just yeah. see if he can throw it out of the stadium. <laughs> can he keep it between the lines? We know he can throw it a long way. It's can he keep it between the lines? Uh but man, yeah, yeah ten, Tennessee, that Tennessee game, I think um uh sadly, I think is gonna be a little disappointing this year because I think Tennessee is gonna have at least two losses coming in that game and be out of the SEC East race, and it's gonna take a little bit of the little bit wow. of shine off of it. Yeah. Early, early, early. Uh, you know, hey, I gotta warm up because because about around you know April May we'll do our our too early, way too early. Uh, yes, we will predictions. So, gotta. Warm I know, up like once up. once we get some spring games, I start forming some pretty strong opinions. So, One thing I thought was interesting. I love that you wait. Uh, this is the difference between right. Graham and John, by the way. Every day. <laughs> Graham is like, I love getting some spring games before I form strong opinions. I'm like. Alabama will never make the SEC championship again under Nick Saban. So um, that's his. I mean, you know, just, I watched just Syracuse's a real... spring game last year, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm a sicko. Yeah. Um, so TCU is an 18 and a half point favorite over Colorado on opening weekend, which wow. like is a lot of points. Um, I don't know. That's one that I might like pick off. Uh, also, I mean, just just some week zero lines of interest here in week mm-hmm. one. Uh, UNC is a, a point and a half favorite over South Carolina. Mm. Not boating well for Shane Beamer. Um, mm. FU, a one point favorite over LSU. Mm. Neutral Listen, site in Orlando. Florida State is about to. Florida State is about to. Uh, is about to see if they can do the Lincoln Riley as well as Lincoln Riley did it. Uh, Cause uh, Norvell is like turning over. I mean, how many people do they get from the portal? It's, it's like, it's insane. Like their, their roster. Uh, I want to say yeah. it's like 40% from the portal um, at this point. And so that's going to be real, going to be real interesting to see. I know they have a lot of, a lot more experience uh, than Lincoln Riley had at USC, obviously, but uh, a lot of a lot of roster turnover. Um, I don't. I would take LSU in that Florida State game. I'm not telling people what to bet in March, but um, I think I think LSU is going to be. I think they're going to be uh, pretty good this year. You want to? I do too. You know, you want to yeah. see something that's kind of damning or interesting, I guess. Uh, hmm. So, Florida, as we established, eight point dog on the road in Salt Lake, opening hmm. weekend to Utah. Mm-hmm. Tennessee 
in week three is only a six and a half point favorite over Florida. Uh, that that is in the swamp, which is probably mm. worth two to three points on that line. But yeah. um, kind of interesting considering you know just comparative lines there. Considering Georgia is a twenty and a half point favorite. <laughs> Correct. And that Tennessee and would only be a six. told that Tennessee is challenging Georgia for the division this season. Yeah. It seems like Listen. Vegas is power rating those two quite differently. Listen, since I've just been speaking my truth all night, uh, tell tell Josh Heupel to score more than 17 points, and then we can talk about who's a threat to who. But until he can score more than 17 points, you know he had, you know points. his defense. Well, they scored 17 – The it was 41 to 17 in ah, okay. his first season. In yeah. 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 So tell him, so I'll give him the, I'll give him the 17, but tell him, tell him, you know, put up 20 on Georgia and then we'll talk about who's a threat to who, but until that happens, uh, I am not buying that Josh Hypo offense versus Kirby smart, Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann, just not buying it. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, like that offense in a way, um, who can stop it and who can't is is almost like a, a perfect separator of who's actually a national title contender in college football and who isn't. Because if, if if you have the ability to, to play the run with a light box mm-hmm. and you have corners that can play press coverage on the outside, like you will mm-hmm. put Tennessee in hell. You will. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it's kind of, you know, Bama hasn't had that. Like they didn't have that last year when Georgia mm-hmm. did. Uh, no one else that Tennessee faced had that, but Georgia did. I would say Clemson actually did a pretty good job of defending it in the in the bowl game until you know mm-hmm. their continued three and outs and offensive ineptitude made that defense wear down. But it's just you know it, it is interesting. Like if you have NFL guys on your front seven or on the boundaries, not even NFL guys on the boundaries, but just, mm. you know, guys who are well coached and know how to let a receiver not get a free release. Mm-hmm. You can, you can shut it down. And it's, it's fascinating too, just because Josh Heupel, if he finds a matchup that works, he will go back to it over and over and over. And that. That 2021 game you were just talking about, like he picked on Latavius Brinney the first two drives. (laughs) And then it was like Christopher Smith is coming down to play star. Dan Jackson's going to safety. They switched it it immediately. And it was a wrap. Yeah. And Georgia has the ability, like they've got dudes on the bench that Mm -hmm. they can adjust with. Yeah. Where Alabama let Jalen Hyatt score five touchdowns in a game, you know, like they never were able to adjust for that. Alabama, I mean, they should be charged with a criminal offense for letting DeMarco Helms continue to just go out there on an island with Jalen Hyatt. I mean, it just I to this day, I'm like, I have no idea what Nick Saban, Pete Golding, any of those guys were thinking. Um, because they just kept know. letting it happen. Just kept letting it happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean incredible. The, the hypo offense is not not one that's filled with surprises from week to week. Like, you know exactly what you're signing up for when you're you're going to play them. Correct. Correct. Well, interesting uh, way too early lines. Um, my way 
my way to yes harry i mean toast uh toast toast hellums um i my way too early my way too early lines uh uh, are uh, georgia over 11 11 wins um it'll probably be 11 and a half we'll go ahead and take that over um, I think it's going to be. I think I my my game that I'm most excited to see, and this is uh, uh, just you know because of who I am. I'm super excited to see Lane Kiffin come into uh, to Sanford mm-hmm. Stadium. Um, I think that game in November is going to be really. It's just going to be really fun. I think um, uh, you know Lane Kiffin hasn't fared well in, ter- in 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 many games versus you know, elite defenses, defensive play callers, obviously has struggled against, you know, Alabama, for example. Um, uh, but I, but I am interested to see what he brings into, uh, to Sanford stadium. So. I am too. Yeah. I think that will be a, a fun, entertaining matchup. Um, I don't know. Kirby and Lane is just kind of like, you know, I mean, they were, they were on staff together. They mm-hmm. know each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Lane famously joked that, uh, you know, I think it was him, Kirby, and Muschamp all have the same dad. And that's why yes. they're in a group text together. So <laughs> I, I think it'll be interesting to see that whole thing play out. And, yeah. You know, I, I know a lot of people have strong opinions about Lane Kiffin, but I, I think he, yeah. I mean, college football is an entertainment product at the end of mm-hmm. the day. And mm-hmm. man does entertain. You have yep. to give him that. Yep. Yeah. Well, one question before we go. Um, do you think Mike Bobo got in that group text or no? With Lane, Will so. Muschamp, Kirby. I don't. Know, I don't know, man. I think I, I don't know, Bobo man. Got like a. I think there's probably like a another group text with, with I, Bobo, Muschamp, Kirby, maybe like a, I'm trying to think of some other guys from that that era of Georgia football. I, think, I mean, I think Brian McClendon would be in there. They, What's that? The Stinchcomb brothers. Oh, the Stinchcomb brothers. Absolutely. I we the next episode of Dog Central Live, we will we will uncover uh who is in the group text with Will Muschamp, Kirby Smart, <laughs> and Mike Bobo. I think that's a worthy topic to go down. Um, but this has been great. Enjoy talking about coaching, enjoy yeah, talking fun. about spring ball, enjoy talking about early lines. Um, you guys get over to dogcentral.com if you're not over there yet. Uh definitely join us. Um subscribe we're we're rolling out a lot of content around spring obviously g day is coming up in about gosh about three weeks now um and so we we know it yeah three and a half weeks so uh we're gonna learn a lot more over the next three and a half weeks uh georgia's got the pads out so much uh good stuff is rolling so come over and join us uh follow me on twitter john tweet sports graham at dog out west and we will see you guys next time